Yep. Hits me again. That's right. I'm back with another episode of the Trail Life Podcast. I appreciate you listening in. Thank you. This is going to be a good one today. Not one, but two individuals on this show. And uh, I like what they're doing. They've got a really great podcast out there that they're doing on Instagram Live for a lot of the times. And they've got a website that they're providing information and stories for endurance athletes, run, try, bike, fireside chats. We've got a ton to talk about, and I'm excited for these two individuals to be on here. So let's just get right into it. Welcome to the Trail Life, Jason Bahumundi and Om Gandhi from Run Try Bike. Well, help me turn the turning. Well, help me get it right. I don't want to hurt nobody. Well, I don't want to fight. Well, offer me the peace of mind and let me. I'm going to talk about. Oh, I'm here really fast before he gets on. Um, <laughs> um, I will say the last time I had him on the show, I, I have to give him a hard time because he was standing almost like a, on the side of a freeway, I think, <laughs> in Arizona, having a conversation with me. And, and all I could hear is cars going by or something in the background. And I'm like, all right, this is, this is, this is happening. <laughs> it sounds about right. There yeah. he is. It, well, he's not driving or on the side of a highway. No, that's good. Speak of the <laughs> devil. <laughs> I love that. I was, I was just, <laughs> well, it's good to see you, brother. <laughs> I was just telling Jason really quick, the last time I had you on the show, you were, I think, in Arizona, and I f- felt like you were standing on the side of a freeway somewhere with with <laughs> with Brandon. <laughs> Brandon and Joe Corsione. <laughs> that was that was such a hot mess. I felt so bad about that. <laughs> like it just kept like plugging in and out. And I was like in the under the underpass. I was like on the oh, road. Dude, it was, like just it, it was it was funny. I, I after I after we got off the, after I got off, I was like, that might have been the most random <laughs> Conversation location that I've ever that I've ever seen because <laughs> it was memorable. <laughs> well, I uh, I want to thank you guys for for being on today and and chatting. I, I mean, you guys have uh, oh, obviously we've known each other for a couple of years now um, and have crossed paths on a couple of different occasions. And Jason, I, we've never met, so this is gonna be fun to hear your backstory a little bit and how you guys got connected how, how run tri bike was started and, and fireside chats. I think it's really cool what you guys are doing with those, um, with those chats on, on Instagram. And I, I really enjoy watching a few of those here and there when, when I can. So it really fun conversation. That's really what I wanted to just chat about today is where, where everything came from. So appreciate awesome. you guys jumping on, but before I tap into some of that, I, I need to ask, let's talk Nepal really fast. Because and you go and you go from Mount Everest to Broken Arrow, so two solid events, and I, I assume. I mean, but tell me about Mount Everest really fast before before we get into the conversation. Because how did you even get involved with that? Um, so the way I got involved with that was I was at the Moab 240 last year, and two of the runners were Nepalese runners, and they just kind of like sort of entertained the idea of just telling me like yeah your next race should be the Everest marathon I'm like what is that like you race up the mountain 
that no, it's a race from Everest Base Camp to uh, down to Namche Bazaar, which is like the Sherpa capital. So it's like eight seventeen five to like eleven thousand feet. And I go to her website, and surely, sure enough, they have an extreme ultra. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm an ultra runner. I make dumb decisions. Let me sign up for this. <laughs> And so I signed up for this 70 kilometer foot race. It's the inaugural year of it, 43, 45 miles. I trek for, in short, I like trek for 12 days up to base camp to acclimatize and then stay up there for two sweepless nights and memorable ones and then start the race. And 18 hours later, I was back in uh, Napche Bazaar from Everest Base Camp. Jesus, man. How, how many runners did they end up having inaugural? For the inaugural Extreme Ultra, they had like 69 applicants and 19 of us got in. And there were That's eight cool. Nepalese runners and 11 international runners. And there were two of us Americans. Wow. That is so cool. Like, what was your, like, what's your timeline as far as training for that? Like, by the time you got into the race and by the time the race happened, like, that had to have been extra training aspects because you're, because it's such a high elevation. So what was that? Yeah, it, was, it was wild, man. Like I applied in November for the race as soon as I heard about it. And then it took them a month to let me in. It was the first time I'd ever like, like I've, we've all three of us have probably done this, but like I put together oh, like hundreds of like job resumes. Um, I've never, ever put together a running resume. That was unreal it's like jason and i had a conversation about that the other day it was like what do you even write on it i ate like 15 gels and then <laughs> without puking or something but they asked me about my high altitude experience and you know surely i did like trans rockies and you know i've been to moab and i've done a few races at high altitude and um you know to train for something like that, I had to like really step out of my comfort zone. I went to Flagstaff in March and stayed there for two months. Uh, the winter was pretty prolonged. Um, so I got to train not only at high, like that altitude, I also got to train in wintry, like snowy conditions. And I think that helped me build my confidence for an event like that. Yeah. What, what, like, what kind of temperature ranges are you, are you dealing with over there at this point? Oh, um, oh, in like Nepal, like, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, it was all over the place. Um, when we started the race, it was five degrees Fahrenheit at 5 a.m. And then when we finished the race down in Nante, it was like 65, 66. Um, it oh, shit. just felt so, um, and kind of like all over the place because 80% of the race kept the ultra people uh, above 14,000 feet. So it got foggy, you know, we dealt with like light snow, fierce winds, like 60, 80 miles per hour. Like when the sun comes out at that altitude, it gets so hot, you know, so it got like hot and exposed. So everything in the kitchen sink and a few yaks. I mean, we got everything. <laughs> oh God, I can only imagine. Okay, well, I can only imagine the, like, it's the physical aspect of it, but that adds in such a mental prep for it too like to go from five degrees to 60 degrees or 65 degrees yes. shedding shedding stuff putting stuff back on having to deal with i mean it's i can't even imagine like being in that situation in that in that in climate in that environment to have to try and figure it out like you know you've done enough of the 
the larger ultra races like Moab 240 and and stuff like that to kind of figure that out mentally and have to work with something that's completely different where you're on the other side of the world, you know? So that's, that's such a trip. And I'm so excited that, that you had that opportunity to go do that, man. That's awesome. And yeah, then, Oh, so- by the way, and so how much money did you end up raising for the kids? Cause that's always, that's what, that's what I love about your races. You're always raising money for, for the kids and stuff. So how much money did you raise and what, what charity did you end up doing it for? So I ended up doing it for a charity called Kids of Kathmandu. They're based out of Brooklyn, New York, um, and they have uh, they have a footprint in Nepal. They've been active since 2010 and super active since the 2015 earthquake. But basically, their bottom line is they've been building sustainable 21st century schools for kids in like marginalized communities, communities where you would have conversations and you know, you hear about kids all the time being dropped out of school because their parents can't afford it, having to work on the farm. Um, so this is just to provide opportunities of education for them, um, just from K to 12. And um, so I raised money for them and we got up to $2,200, which was awesome. awesome. Yeah. I got one. What was even more awesome was I was able to align my last day um, in the country to be able to go and visit two of their schools and to speak oh, to how cool is that? And class about like just failure and, you know, mistakes and just hanging on. And, you know, they all wanted like one of them wants to be a nurse. One of them wants to be like a bodybuilder. Somebody wants to be like a doctor for various reasons, you know? And right. I think is like, I just wanted to be that person who I wouldn't say allowed them to, but kind of let them know that it's okay to make mistakes and everyone does it. And mm-hmm. it's all part of growth. And it's one of our mantras with run, try, bike, right? Like failure is not terminal. It's a building block to success. Yeah, man, that's, that is awesome. $2,200 for, for them. That's, that's going to be huge in, in the long run. So congratulations on that, man. That's, that's awesome. And then uh, no need to go into to details about broken arrow, but how, how does, how did everything plan pan out for you? Oh, incredible. I mean, all I could say is that race is, you know, you know me, Jeff, like it's uh, all the slow, dull ache. Me and Jason are all about the slow, dull ache of hundreds and 200. <laughs> <laughs> doing like a VK and <laughs> so, like these like short but steep races was like way out of my comfort zone and easily became one of the hardest things I've ever done, especially with that snow. I mean, yeah, well, I, I, they, never, they still had a pretty good pretty good amount of snow up on, on the mountain too, right? Like and 80% of the course was snow. And I've never, I can tell you, I've never glissated in an ultra before slid on my butt on the ice. <laughs> never, but I did in this one. Well, I'm, I'm sure I'll, I'll see, I'm sure I'll see more stories with, with that coming out soon, but, uh, um, congratulations on that going and stuff. It's, it's awesome, man. So Jason, again, we've never met, we never talked, but I know you're an ultra athlete. You're a triathlete as well. So I'd I'd love to kind of hear kind of your backstory in, in, in in the ultra side of things or the endurance side of things, because that kind of leads into where run, try bike started. So how did you get your start? Are you, were you like an athlete growing up or just get into the triathlons and, and endurance category as you got older? Yeah. So I was an athlete growing up, played baseball. I grew up in the Bronx and in New York and Rockland County. So I played baseball predominantly. Um, and 
being all of five foot seven and 140 pounds when I took my first college recruiting trip to a football school <laughs> and I walked into the locker room and I looked around and I looked at the coach and I was like, why would you even invite me here? <laughs> I just walked out. I was like, this isn't, you know, immediately knew like sports was at that level was not going to happen. Um, and then in 2007, uh, I got connected with team and training, the Leukemia Lymphoma Society to raise money for them and did my first half marathon then. And it kind of just grew from there. I had, uh, I got divorced and moved to Dallas at the time. And I started playing co-ed softball and two of the teammates were like, Hey, we're registering for this triathlon. Like I had no idea what a triathlon was like zero clue, but here I am in a brand new city, no friends, didn't know anything. And I was like, sure, let's Jump do right it. Into right? it. Why not? <laughs> Jump right into it. And so I registered for this event and I'm like, Oh, I probably need to train for this. Right. So I, I was a member of Gold's Gym at the time. And I will never forget this. I'd go to Gold's Gym. I'd get in that pool. I'd swim 25 yards. I'd be puking up water and just like, a total mess after 25 yards, mind you, I'd get out of the pool and be like, I'm done. Right. Like you got to swim a little bit longer than that, buddy. Um, but you know, from sprints to Olympics, you know, and, the, and it just kept building. I got into doing half Ironman, um, raced, uh, eight different Ironman course or eight different Ironman finish lines I have. And, um, was getting burned out on the Ironman deal. And I mean, it's just so much training and it's super expensive and all of that. You know, I honestly don't, I mean, much respect to the triathlete out there, especially the people who do Ironman. I, I can't figure out for the life of me how 99% of them have a full-time job and still find a way to train for 12 hours a day. I don't, I don't get it. It's, <laughs> it's, everything it's, else goes to the side. Yeah, exactly. It's like, all right, I'm going to go swim for four hours. I'm going to go bike yeah. for four hours. I'm going to go run for four hours. I'm like, Wait, what? Yeah, yeah <laughs> so exactly. much respect to them, but I, I can't, I can't get into it. I, I can't, I can't figure it out. <laughs> yeah. So, and that, so I was getting burned out, but I managed to set up a schedule for myself to have an Ironman in the fall. So late September, early October, and then a hundred mile uh, run in the beginning of the year, usually um, mid to late February. And so I would just cycle through that process and get through it all. And, um, you know, that's kind of how I got into this, but it's also how run, try bike got started. So, um, you know, we're, we're all just ordinary people. Right. And through the, I got burned out. I remember laying on the massage table, um, prior to Western, excuse me, prior to Ironman, Wisconsin, which I had already raced Rocky raccoon in February, raced Western States in late June, early July. And now here comes Ironman, Wisconsin at the end of September. And I just remember thinking to myself, I'm fucking over this shit. Like, I don't even want to be here anymore. I'm tired. Like this shit sucks. That was kind of like the impetus for it all. And then COVID hit. Right. And so now everybody's searching for what to do next with themselves. And I was thinking to myself, you know, we need to tell people more of these stories about the burnout stories. Cause people are going through burnout. People are going through all of these different scenarios and machinations in their head about what an endurance athlete is. And so, um, that idea partnered with, I was working for a travel host at the time, company that, you know, if you have the name travel in your, in your company name, it's going to be really hard to run a business during the pandemic. Yeah. And um, <laughs> my mentor, fortunately, got a phone call one day. Uh, it was from a broker who was trying to sell him Texas Runner and Triathlete Magazine. And he knew my history in endurance sports and he asked me if I wanted to buy it. 
And Jeff, when I tell you, I got on the phone with the owner and we might as well have been on different planets. Like she was asking for six figures. I'm not kidding you. And I, when I went through the list, what do you have asset wise? Do you have current subscribers? Do you have current advertisers? Do you have a website? Do you have social media? Do you have a news? Like all of those things. No, no. Every answer was no, except for I have 4,000 emails. And I said, well, here's the deal. I will offer you 25 cents for every email you have and a dollar for every person that says, yes, I will subscribe to the new business. And she's like, that's like a thousand dollars at best. And I was like, yep. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And she's like, I can't do that. And I said, well, I can't buy your business. And I got off the phone and I looked at Bill and I said, I don't need her to, I don't need to buy her business. I can do this on my own. And it was in that moment that I just decided to launch the company. And that was September of uh, 2020 go through the process of building out strategies and ideas and plans and connecting with freelance writers to figure out what kind of content we could do. Um, I took money out of my investment account and I said, if I, it was 15 grand. I said, if I burn this in one day, building a website and everything else, then it is what it is, but I gave it a shot. And so I launched the business, had an original partner um, who came on and we went, you know, went for it. And we brought on advertisers. And to this day, 90% of the advertisers that signed up with us on day one are still with us today. And about a year, well, at the very beginning, Ohm wrote an article for us. We have a feature called How It All Started. And Ohm wrote an article for us that it basically was titled, it started with a quarter mile. And he told his story about how he got into running. And it totally paralleled with my start into running with the team and training idea, right? So I ran a quarter mile around a track and I was going to die. Like, I was like, what are we doing here, man? Like quarter mile, I'm done. So I would walk the quarter mile, ran a quarter mile, walked a quarter mile, packed up all my crap and went home. Cause I was like, I got a mile in, I'm good. Um, and Ohm's story was very similar. And so after he wrote that story, we kind of stayed in touch with each other. And um, one day he had messaged me or I messaged him. I don't even remember. Um, and he talked about running social media platforms. And I was like, talk to me more about this because, and I'm sure you know this as a business owner, right? You're not only doing content optimization and strategy, but you're also doing accounting and finances. And there's just a million different things with operations that I was like, man, I I just don't have the time or the care right now to post on social media. And so we had a conversation and he did it for, I don't know, almost like three, six months, give or take. And one day I was like, he's doing such a good job with this. I'd like to offer him an opportunity for ownership in the company. And we talked about it and it's been a little over a year since he's been um, a part owner in the company and, you know, kudos to him for taking the reins and running with it. But one of the biggest things he's uh, come up with that has been a huge part of our success is the fireside chats. One day it was kind of like a throwaway statement. He's like, Hey, we should do an Instagram live thing. And, Let's call it Fireside Chats. And we're doing our 61st episode tomorrow with Travis Macy. Um, For those people that are adventure racers and and know about adventure racing or followed um, the Echo Challenge Fiji on Amazon Prime, him and his dad were in the event, right? So, and they reach out to us. (laughs) It's just crazy. That's great. Wow. Right? It's crazy. And so, um, you know, we're, again, we're going on our 61st episode tomorrow that we do live and it's been just a huge component to our marketing. And, um, honestly, we're, we're probably not where we are today, if not for Ohm writing, uh, how it all started two and a half years ago, basically it's nuts. 
Yeah. Oh, my, I actually think I remember you talking to me about that at that point in time, you would, you were writing an article or you were, you would, you were kind of in this process of, I think getting started with run, try bike, I think when, mm-hmm. when we were talking about it stuff, right. like that's right. Cause we talked in like February or something of last year. And that was around the time when I started riding the, or we had taught, we had started talking at that point. It was like 2021 because we've known each other a few years and I was writing how it all started. And the crazy thing about all of this is that my entire endurance sports career is tied into run, try bike, um, like my <laughs> ultra running career, because if it wasn't for run, try bike, I wouldn't have met this guy who wrote a story feature right after me, a guy that you might know named Hector Rodriguez. Just um, Yeah. <laughs> and he wrote how it all started after me. And I was like, who's this guy doing these 200 mile races? I want to be like this guy. Let me reach out to him. And the rest is history. That's how I think that's how we all know each other, you know? So I feel like the, not only is it, that's how I met Jason and how I'm part of Run, Try, Bike, but I feel like that's how we all know each other. Like my endurance sports career has orbited around run, try, bike. Well, that's the beauty of, of, well, shit, even just the endurance sports altogether. Like it, it, whether you're a triathlete or a runner or even just as, you know, straight cyclists, like I think those communities are connected in so many different ways. Right. And then you break it down even more into a macro setting where it's like, here's the trail running group. Here's the road running group. Like that's what I, that's what I've always loved about the endurance category. And I'm kind of right there with you is like, I went from, you know, wanting to work in NBA MLB scenario, getting a job in Boulder, working with an endurance sports group that was strictly triathlon cycling and running and then all of a sudden you kind of see like what this community is all about and it it is amazing the the stories that that you kind of hear and how people get started because you know it's it's a completely different startup from from the way people get into these these sports and and so it's kind of cool now again there's all that connection that you guys that home you have through run, try bike and how you got connected with Jason and Hector and me and me crying out loud. But, um, like, so from the, from the run, try bike website perspective, which is run, try mag, right. You guys, it's not, it's all, it's all digital content. There's no magazine, like print magazine at this point in time. It's it's. And so everybody can subscribe online, get all of their content online. That's correct. One, the one thing we do have the ability is if, and we did this for the best of at the end of last year is to actually print a best of issue for people if they want it. Um, You know, that's an opportunity that's outside of the purview, but we did when we launched in uh, our first issue, our first actual print issue was March of 2021. We actually printed 6,500 magazines and for about a year and a half, Every other month, we printed 5,000 copies. I had the benefit of working for Travelhost, which had a printer connection. So the printing for us was inexpensive, in all honesty. It was really inexpensive to print. 5,000 copies was honestly like nickels and dimes. It was the shipping. Like So we had subscribers, which was great. But then we were shipping the magazine to cycling shops and running stores and swim specialty stores all over the country. And we were sending them 15, 20 copies each, right? So think about that. That's, you know, 250 stores that we're sending them out to all across the country, which is a good number, 5,000 issues. But the expense was so much. And uh, we converted 
to the digital magazine. And so it's exclusive through our newsletter. So they just have to subscribe to our newsletter and they'll get the digital magazine on the 15th of every other month. So the next one will come out will be July 15th. But that's where, you know, everything is now housed digitally, except for we'll probably do it again. The best of 2023 issue will have the opportunity for people to purchase single copies for themselves. Are you, I mean, because you're also a, you're also a teacher. Am I, am I correct on that? That's correct. And then, Om, do you, do you have another current job still? Or are you strictly run, try a bike? Strictly run, try bike and sponsored by Merrill. I'm a Merrill athlete. Yeah. So how much, because you, it's coming out every other month, like how much time are you guys getting a chance to put in every, every single month, or every single week? I mean, are you splitting time with trying to find advertisements, trying to write articles, trying to, you know, get, get the information out there? Like what's, I guess, what's that process? Cause I know how busy I am with just one, my one job. So, <laughs> so, so the, the beauty of being a college professor is I'm teaching intro to marketing. So I'm just reinforcing my own lessons in, in the, in the company world. Um, but Ohm handles the majority of the social media stuff. Um, our other partner, Lori handles all the financial aspects of it. So I don't have to worry about that in terms of accounting and filing taxes. I don't think about that. Then honestly, we spend, or I do, Ohm will have to speak for himself specifically, almost every other minute of the day, you know, curating content, preparing it for the website, which I then pass along to Ohm to dice into little pieces of content for our social media platforms. Um, we are starting uh, about a week ago, we started the process of writing our next issue. Um, what I will say for our magazine is 90% of it is written by other people. So we, we edit it. So we, we have to take the time to read it and edit it, but they write it because our platform is for the athletes to tell their stories. And since we're not covering events, like we're not traveling to events, we don't have to worry about writing, you know, top five performers or podium finishes and things like that. So we're editing most of it and then writing a little bit of that. But we spend a lot of time reaching out to people um, to ask them if they'd like to write for us in different forms and fashions. And so they do. And now recently in the last 10 to 14 days, we actually have people reaching out to us, asking us to write for us, um, which is, which is huge. Yeah. That's a huge, huge, huge thing for us. Um, and honestly, I think the biggest thing, Jeff, for the athletes out there is they don't want to tell their story. Cause I think they believe that their story doesn't matter or that their story doesn't inspire others. Right. And the reality is it does. It really, really does. We have a non-binary uh, gravel cyclist. She wrote for us this upcoming issue, and I cannot wait for the issue to come out because it is so impactful. And um, I know that it's going to have an, a really big impact on the non-binary queer community when they read it, if they're afraid of telling their own story, because this is somebody who's telling their story in a public forum, right? And so by giving that platform and, and honestly, giving it to them is really the right phrase to tell their story. It kind of removes the fear because we, we just edit it. We, after we edit it, we send the story back to them for their approval to make sure it's in their words and make sure it's how their story, um, they want to tell it before we post it live. So there's no aha moments or gotcha moments in the editing process. Right. Um, and so a lot of that time is spent editing and reading. Um, one of the things we have done is get away from the tips and tricks because you can go anywhere, right? Google how to hydrate for a hundred mile race. You're going to get a million results, yeah. but 
So we, so we've gotten away from that because that was the hard part that took a lot of time, like trying to come up with all those tips and tricks and ideas and things like that. Yeah. yeah it takes forever and everybody's talking about it already. So why rehash it? Right. Well, you, like you said, you can find those, you can find those on any Google search that you possibly want. And then they're, they've been detailed out by, you know, hundreds of people already. So it's, yep. it's kind of tough. did the fireside chats get come from the idea of people writing in their own articles or was that vice versa? People were writing in their own articles, telling their own stories because of fireside chats. The, uh, the fireside chat was like Jason said, it was kind of a throwaway idea. Um, it started, I believe it's been like last March now. And it was true. I casually just told him like, Hey, yeah, we should do an Instagram live. There's so many cool stories to tell, you know, and Mm -hmm. um, it just started from there. And then, I think the fireside chat started as that. And then it sort of became a pillar of our company and that ignited the spark for us to look at our articles. And it was just another conversation I was having with Jason and I'm like, man, we should, we're like, how can our our question to us ourselves is like, how can we separate ourselves from what like outside magazine is doing, what trail runner magazine is doing. And we thought like, let's play to our strengths. You know, our strengths is like being vulnerable, being more open, like telling the honest stories, uh, you know, like anybody can go. And those articles are important too. Don't get me wrong. Like you can, those articles are important. Like how to shave, you know, like, like an hour off your hundred mile PR or like, you know, like how to ride a bike properly and get fitted. And like uh, those, uh, those articles matter. But what we weren't seeing was a lot of just articles of the everyday athlete talking about stories like how they overcame drug addiction to became an ultra runner or how, you know, I met somebody at Trans Rockies who was running for her son who has cancer and uh, just, you know, like there's just all these amazing stories hidden in the sport. I mean, again, this is something for you to even think about, Jeff, like, you know, at your events, like you're bringing out so many distances, so many people just doesn't it like give you an interest in knowing that like every single one of those people has like their own unique story. It's just every single time I think about that, like even standing at broken arrow at the start line, I'm like, look at all these different like shapes, sizes, people, they all have their stories of like why they're at the start line. And we were just at one day we were just like, we need to tell them. And the fireside chat just sparked that. I, I tell you, you know, I, I, I love, being able to hear those stories. That's 95% of the reason why I do the podcast myself is because I want to, Hey, I want to, I I enjoy talking to people and meeting people and hearing where they come from and what got them into the sport. But it's also like, everybody's got a different journey and that's really what's, what it's all about. Like, you know, not everybody is an athlete. And as they grow up, right, they get into, they get into running because they're overcoming depression or some, you know, they've had a, you know, dietary situation that helped, you know, where running helps them out with that. It's, it's so interesting to me how people get into the stuff and, and where it is like, and that's why I keep doing this show is like, just, just to meet really interesting people. And I was going to, while you were talking about that, I had a um, conversation with, uh, an individual a few weeks ago, Zach Friedley. Do you know, have you know Zach at all? Have you met him or seen him on Instagram? He would be a great person for you guys to chat with as far as fireside chats. He is an adaptive athlete who is uh, sponsored by On Running. He's bringing adaptive runners to trail running. 
and he's he started he helped start uh, uh, Born to Adapt, which is a adaptive only uh, trail race partnered with Born, the Born to Run race, and he ends up getting anywhere from mental and physical adaptive athletes to come out and and run run the race, and it's it's a 10k, I think it's a 10k, an hour long. Uh, loop and then a maybe a three mile or something. It's completely different, but he's looking to, to expand, like bringing the adaptive athlete into it. And I'm a huge supporter of Challenge Athletes Foundation and you know of the adaptive athlete altogether. And so to have that conversation with him and to hear his story and how he's involving newer athletes to it, like it added a completely different layer onto everything that I had been talking to people about. And I was like, Oh my God, this is completely opens my eyes. So, you know, I told him, I wanted to chat with him about how do I get adaptive athletes to come to one of my races? Like, how do we create another opportunity for them to come out and race? So I'm, I'm right there with you. And it's, it's really cool how you're giving them a platform to, to chat about that. And I'm kind of curious, like, because I said that, like, what's one of the most interesting conversations you guys have heard so far with your chats? I know I'm just I'm throwing that out there. I didn't, didn't prep you on that one at all. But oh, <laughs> you know, as you were talking, Jeff, we did a how it all started feature on Kyle Robido, who is blind. He's a 100 mile runner who's blind and he runs with, you know, a guide. Um, but you know, and I, I read his story, he, we didn't have him on the fireside chat, but so he wrote his story for us. And as I'm reading it, like, I'm thinking about all the times that I've tripped and fallen. Right. And how he's managed to get through hundred Vermont 100, if I believe, if I'm not mistaken, is one of the races he's done to get through Vermont 100, you know, with a guide. And, and so story like his, um, we've interviewed Rach McBride, who is a non-binary professional triathlete who's now making her way through the mountain bike and gravel scene and the inclusion side of what that looks like. And that's just an incredible story. Um, we did an interview with um, Anthony Lee, who's a topo uh, athlete sponsored by Topo Athletics. And he told his story about having to deal with eating disorders, right? And then Ohm's teammate, Reed Burrows at Merrill, talking about mental health. Like, I mean, the, the list goes on and on and on with the number of people that we have met and talked to. Um, Marcy Braithwaite, who is, she goes by the Instagram handle, the fat athlete, talks about, you know, being a bigger runner and, and what's what it's like for her to have to go through that process of training and racing and she's a coach and it's just all of it is super eye-opening and it really a lot for me i won't speak for you Wilma, i'll let you talk but it's allowed me to open up my eyes even more than i already had them opened because you start to realize that like not everybody has the same challenges and doesn't have the same answer to those challenges which i think is what the most important lesson is is that everybody's going to handle it in the best way that they can um, and to be a person who judges them for doing that is bananas to me, right? And just hearing all these stories. So those are just some of the ones that have touched me um, in the year plus that we've been doing it. Om, I'll let you answer the Jeff's question as well. Yeah, I mean, there's just, I just, I can't like think of a story right off the top of my mind because every single week there's somebody who amazing their story is. And I totally agree with Jason that like some of the conversations one of the reasons I love doing the fireside chats, and I'm sure it's the same with you for the podcast. It's like you come out learning something and getting a fresh perspective and you come out a better person from talking to people like this. And I feel like being a business owner, 
is tough. You know, there's a lot of like the nitty gritty stuff that nobody sees, you know, Jason and I talk about it all the time, like, man, like we got to put out invoices now, like, man, we got to <laughs> put out performance reports now. And it's just roll your eyes kind of stuff, you know, but like, then you have the other stuff where like occasionally you'll have somebody reach out and say, thank you for giving me a platform to share my story. Or you'll go into a conversation with somebody and they're excitedly like sharing their fireside chat or they just wrote for our digital magazine and they're sharing it. Like they just put um, a picture on the fridge, which is kind of the analogy we like to use and just seeing like those smiles and seeing people be represented and knowing that everybody has different challenges and different answers to those challenges is a rewarding experience. Um, Not only, not only for them, but I think for us, like, I think this business has helped me grow so much as an individual and um, the gratitude keeps bringing me back to how amazing this work is. Yeah, it's, it's fun. Like I, again, it comes back to, we're, we're, we're all very lucky to, to work and play in a very, you know, inviting community and and people want to hear those stories. People want to share their stories and it's, it's great because it's like you guys have said, it's like everybody comes from a different perspective on it and not everybody's going to be that pro, you know, ultra runner that's, you know, they're crushing 240 miles every single time. Like, <laughs> the, you know, the back of the Packers want to, want, you know, want to know like what's going on with other back of the Packers. And it's, you know, it's amazing. It's, I had a really good in a, a conversation with Jeff Browning the other day, and we were talking about, you know, the, the importance of the back of the Packers and, and, you know, how they help drive the, the sport. You know, and that, and that's those are the ones that are trying to figure out like how do I go from couch to five k and five k to half marathon, right? And it's it's really cool that you know I'm I'm excited to know that you guys have given again given another platform for people to do that and stuff. Like how uh, and remind me, and I apologize, I don't know this because I can't remember off the top of my head. But how often do you guys do the fireside chats? Like when can people is it and is it happen on a specific day of the of the week or a specific day of the month? Like how does that work out so people can know to start what you know listening in? So we do them every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, on Instagram live. And it usually lasts about 35 to 40 minutes. Sometimes our chats will go close to the entire hour because there's so much to talk about. And then they end up on our YouTube platform a few days later. And the following week, the episode ends up on in podcast format on Spotify, Apple, and uh, Google. See, I, I've only known about the the Instagram live feed. I didn't even know that it was on YouTube. That's great. So, <laughs> see, and I apologize for not knowing that, but I I have typed into the Instagram live every now and then. So I've been in marketing I, my whole life, Jeff. I got to find all the eyeballs and impressions I can get so we can call advertisers. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Well, hey guys, I kept you on long enough, and I appreciate you guys sharing your stories, sharing you know what what your platform was all about and and I thank you for giving another platform for those runners to you know or athletes sorry to reach out and share their stories for everybody else to hear so um I'll put 
in the show notes, I'll put all the information, the the website information, information on the Instagram live and, and other fireside chat stuff uh, to make sure that gets out there. And, and uh, I wish you guys the very best with everything that you guys are doing. So appreciate you, man. Thanks for uh, making the time for us and, and finally getting this uh, conversation to get going. Yeah, it only took a it only took getting past Nepal and, and Tahoe, right? <laughs> I wonder whose fault is that. <laughs> you know what it's like running a business with a guy who's in Nepal? It's not that easy. <laughs> I can assume. 